Hey guys, today we're looking at the feeding of the 5,000. This is John chapter 6. Then we're looking at verse 1 through 13. This is a really interesting passage and plays well into the Gospel of John. John is showing Jesus to be a prophet that is superior to Moses. Uh, and that we remember that Moses fed the people of Israel, or rather God fed the people of Israel through Moses, uh, manna in the desert. Well, Jesus here is going to feed the people of Israel. But certainly John is painting a picture here of Jesus being a great provider. But we have to remember again, like in most of the stories we find about Jesus, that it's not so much what he's trying to teach the crowds about himself, but rather what he's trying to teach his disciples about ministry. Verse 1, After this Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Now, we have people following Jesus, but these are not committed disciples. These are people that are perhaps interested in Jesus and the things that he can do for them. And I have to say that as churches, we tend to gravitate toward people like this, that people that are perhaps seekers, what we might call them. Uh, some churches have identified themselves as being seeker-friendly churches. But in this case, Jesus overall doesn't seem to give a lot of concern for these people. He, he doesn't seem to want to try to reach out as much as he wants to reach in and focus on those that are truly committed to him. I have to say that a lot of times we want to say, well, God, I'm going to meet you halfway. You know, here's what I'm willing to do for you. Here's the what I'm willing to live for you. And I want to let you know that God is not really interested in arrangements like that. God is a very all-or-nothing God. How can my name be profaned? You know, I will not give my glory to another, he says. He is a jealous God, and that is not he's jealous of you. He's jealous for you. And for that reason, God doesn't want just part of you, or he doesn't want to kind of make a deal with you. God expects all of you, your absolute and complete and total devotion. And so for that reason, Jesus draws himself away from the crowd. We see in verse 3, Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And we read in verse 4, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Now, you might wonder, why is John mentioning this in this story? What's that have to do with anything? Well, this is kind of the ticking clock in the background. We believe that Jesus' ministry was about three years long based on the Gospel of John because we find three Passovers taking place in the Gospel of John. Well, this is the second of those three. And the last one, of course, is when Jesus is going to be arrested and crucified. And so... The fact that the second Passover is drawing near, Jesus realizes that there's very little time left. He's, he's getting a lot of a following and momentum. In fact, we'll find at the end of this passage the people are trying to make him king by force. And so he, he kind of hides himself away from the crowds. But Jesus uses this and sees this as an opportunity to begin to teach his disciples about what it means to minister to the needs of people. And so... Verse 5, it says, Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was about to do. Philip answered and said, Two hundred denarii, that's the day's wage, would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. And so Jesus says, Okay, Philip, we have an impossible situation. We have more people then we have money to feed them. 
what are you going to do about it? What is your solution here? And now, of course, Jesus is just testing Philip because he, he knows that a day is going to come when the disciples are going to be in situations that are too big for them to handle. And in fact, those those days come in our own lives as well. God presents an impossible situation for us that we don't have the resources to handle. And he says, what are you going to do now? You know, and this may come in the form of a, a job loss in the family. It may come in the form of a divorce and someone being very sick and us not knowing how to take care of them or or maybe even, you know, for, for some of my youth listening, you just may have some trouble in relationships or in school. And, and you go, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. And so Jesus is going to use this as an opportunity to teach the disciples how do you handle impossible situations. And you kind of see that first, they, they already have the first part of this down, I believe. And verse 8, one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? The first thing that is important when we say, I've got very difficult and a possible situation in my life, is that we realize that there are other Christians around us to support us and to help us. This was a problem that Jesus put solely on Philip's shoulders, but Andrew stepped up to the plate and he said, well, hold on now. Um, my brother here may not know what to do, and I don't know what to do either, but here's a resource that I know about. And I don't know if all of you listening go to church, but it is very important that you go to church, not just because God calls you to worship Him and you are indebted to God and you should worship Him, whether you enjoy worship or not, but also because you need that fellowship with other brothers and sisters, people that will help carry the burden for you in difficult times. And so important part of us in coming to difficult situations is that we have to rely on one another and we have to, we have to build each other up. But also we have to be faithful with what God has already given us. He says, here's a boy that has five loaves and two fish. Now he says, that's not a lot, but here it is. And in our own situation, we have to say, okay, Lord, first I have to ask in this situation, have I been unfaithful with what you've given me? And, you know, if my situation is a money situation, am I being sure to be faithful with all that God has given me? If your family loses the job and you decide, well, you know what, I'm going to trust God to take care of us and I'm going to take the little bit of money we have and we're just going to go blow it at the movie theater and eating out at restaurants and just hope that God takes care of us. Well, that's not being very faithful. Rather, you need to pray and say, God, how do you want us to use the little bit that we have? Show us how to be faithful in this. And so Jesus says to them, verse 10, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Now, this is just the men. This is not counting their wives and their children. But if you if you take an average of a man and a wife and two kids, you know, that could equal up to 20,000 people there. And so, Jesus says, have all the people sit down. Now, he hasn't told them what he's going to do. And I imagine that it would have been a little bit of work trying to get, you know, up to 20,000 people to sit down at one time when it's just 12 people making it happen. They don't have a microphone and a stage and speakers or anything like that. They have to go through and say, Jesus is telling all of us to have all of you sit down. He's about to do something, but they don't know what it is that Jesus is about to do. 
And so part of us coming to impossible situations in our life is also trusting Jesus Christ and obeying Jesus Christ. You can't separate the two either. You can't say, well, I'm going to trust God, but I'm going to disobey him. Because if you're disobeying God, you're not really trusting him. You have to trust him in order to be obedient. So obedience, in fact, is an act of faith and say, Lord, I'm being obedient to you because I'm trusting you to take care of me. And so Jesus is giving the disciples an order they really don't understand at this point. And they're having just to go on faith and say, Jesus is about to do something. And we're going to trust that whatever it is, he's got a plan for it. And we have to take that same approach in our lives. We come to an impossible situation. We say, Lord, I don't know how to get through this, but you have a plan. And so, Lord, I'm going to trust you with that plan. I'm going to be faithful in what you've given me. I'm going to depend on my other brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm going to trust and obey you through this difficult time in my life. And so Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given things, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. Now, I want you to notice in this case, Jesus gives thanks ahead of time. And that is, Jesus is showing them that I'm going to go ahead and thank God in advance for what he is about to do. I'm going to just trust so much on his blessing. But I'm also going to give credit where credit is due. I'm going to realize that if God, anything is going to happen, it's going to be God that makes it happen. And so I'm going to trust solely in him and rely solely on him. But also, in doing so, I'm going to be thankful to him because I know that he's a good God and that he takes care of our needs. And so even in the need and in the impossible situation, Jesus says it's important to have an attitude of thankfulness and knowing that God is going to take care of this. And so he distributed to him and says as much as they wanted. In fact, God not only delivered and God and Jesus Christ not only multiplied, but he multiplied in abundance. And we have to realize that when God comes through, He's going to come through with greater things than even we could wish or hope for. It would have been enough for Jesus to provide bread for all the people, but he provided bread and meat, and not just bread and meat for them to have enough, but bread and meat for them to have more or as much as they wanted. And so the disciples here are learning that in their lives and in the ministry of the church that God is going to bring them in impossible situations, but he's going to provide for them in impossible situations. And that's what Jesus is teaching them through us. But he says a third thing to him. He said three things, and they're all important. Where are we to buy bread? Have the people set down. And now gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing may be lost. And surely this would have connected with them as far as, guys, this isn't about bread and fish. This is about meeting the needs of people and ministering to people and reaching people with the gospel. You think, what must it have been like for these 12 men to clean up the mess, so to speak, after 20,000 people? As he told them, you know, go spread out. And, of course, they would have... I think seeing, wow, you know, this is kind of symbolic. Later, they may have understood this is kind of symbolic of them going out to the ends of the earth and among all these people picking up after them and seeing all their faces and seeing the different families and the, the different people that are represented and the, the different ways they look and realizing that they're called to minister to all kinds of people. And Jesus reminded them, go and gather this up that nothing may be lost. And, of course, of course, the message there is about people being lost and their salvation. And so he's reminding them that it's the heart of God that they reach the ends of the earth. 
and reach the world with the message of the kingdom of God. Now, this may not be something they understand now, but certainly it would have been something that they would have been reminded of after his death and resurrection from the dead. And so it would have taught them a lot of things about humility as far as having to pick up this food and fish after the people have eaten, about faith, about trusting God in these difficult situations, and also about their duty and carrying the load, you know, that took all of them working. And so whoever you are listening right now, I want you to know that you, and I don't care if you're a youth, I don't care if you're an adult, I, I don't care how old you are, and you're a senior citizen, what you need to understand is that you have a role in the ministry of the church, and unless we all play our role, the ministry of the church is not going to be as effective, and it's not going to be as powerful, but you need to be actively involved with ministering to the needs of people inside and outside of the church, because God has spread us out among the people to do the work of the ministry. And so there are people that you can reach that I can't, and there's people that I can reach that you can't, and so we all have to be about the effort of trying to reach those people. But this last point right here, we see in verse 13, So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had been eaten. Now consider that, that they each had a basket still full of food for them to eat. And this was obviously a basket of food is more than any one person should eat. Uh, at a given time, more than they probably could eat. Any of the disciples are not competitive eaters. And so what God, what Jesus Christ has reminded them there is that not only will God bless the work of our hands when we serve him, but he will also bless us if we come to him and we trust him and we cry out to him and say, God, I need you to help me in this situation. I need you to deliver me. But we can't ever just hope that God is going to pour blessing upon blessing upon blessing for us, that he gives us the things he gives us to equip us to be his instrument and his light in the world. And so my challenge for you today is I want you to consider where God is calling you in the church, where he's called you to minister, where he's placed you to be a minister, and be faithful in that. Be faithful to what he's called you to. And if you don't know where that is, ask him and ask him for the power to perform that ministry faithfully. Thank you for listening. God bless you.